Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hashtag Sped Facts, where we answer all of your frequently asked questions, even before you know you have them. For parents and teachers, I am your host of Hashtag Sped Facts, and I am so overjoyed that you are tuning in to this episode. We have been covering um, the past episode about what Hashtag SpedFax is about, and our first topic is all about your rights and responsibilities, which is called the Notice of Procedural Safeguards. And in Texas, my little asterisk, uh, the Parent's Guide to the Admission Review and Dismissal Process. The ARD process is unique to the great state of Texas. All of you other 49 states are envious because you don't have an ARD process. You have an IEP process, which, as we discussed last time, is the Individualized Educational Program. Um, We have those two in Texas, but we call it an ARD meeting, and at the ARD meeting, you get your child's IEP. So that's how we roll here. Anyway... We are going to pick up and continue. I um, apologize if I clarify that too many times, but I have been shockingly amazed that we're picking up some listeners in states like Alaska, Oklahoma, and I am just thrilled beyond thrill that we have some listeners at all, but especially all of you who are from other states and other people other than my family and my friends. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that this has been some good information. And we're going to start getting into the meat, the heavy duty um, of what you might be wanting to tune in for starting on this episode. And because it's just so much, um, we're going to chop it up into two episodes. So what I had planned on doing was this whole referral discussion and then the consent process, because I thought, hey, that goes together, and it does. However, I can't get that episode to be short enough for you, and I did not know this. A a very good sweetheart of a friend of mine who could actually be my daughter, um, because she's so much younger than me, but she's a very dear friend, told me I was using TED Talk time limit rules, time span rules for attention. Little did I know. I'm just a natural that I knew to make my episodes as long as a TED Talk. Didn't even know it. So I'm very proud of myself. And I thank my friend for pointing that out because I really felt um, a little millennial there for a moment. So this episode is going to cover the initial referral process and what that looks like. Next episode, if you just want to leave it playing, I think it rolls over to the next episode. Once they're posted, we'll talk about parental consent and what that means and when you do that. So I don't want to get too far ahead of myself and I do want to stick to the TED Talk time rules. So we're going to begin. I am actually referring you 
to the Parents Guide book for your state. It begins at least in hours in the great state of Texas with the referral process, which I think makes a lot of sense. So there's a few ways that children are referred for evaluation called Child Find. Child Find is the responsibility of us all. Parents, it's your responsibility to say, hey, I believe there may be an issue going on with my student. It is the responsibility of teachers, administrators to monitor student progress and to denote, monitor further and make referral recommendations on students that they have concerns about who are showing some difficulty in a specific area. I believe this is out of my wheelhouse, so don't quote me. I believe that our physicians have also had some child find type issues with their responsibilities to screen for and identify children who may have uh, some characteristics of disability and refer parents to services or uh, to recommend that parents um, have their student evaluated. So we are going to start there with our littles, our youngest students who are babies all the way till their third birthday may be provided with services through early childhood intervention, ECI. I believe I warned you that we talk a lot in acronyms. So ECI is early childhood intervention. That is where... For example, you, your child's pediatrician, whomever may say uh, your child has characteristics of a disability, they may have an actual medical, physical impairment, and they are referred then to services that would be through the Health and Human Services Commission under early childhood intervention, they take on services for those littles, as I call them, the babies. And once they are headed towards their third birthday, there is a conversation. They have liaison with school districts, and they let the school district's special education personnel, whether it be a coordinator, if it's a large district, might just be the director or some type of liaison person who will coordinate with ECI on what students are coming up on their third birthday for and will be recommended for evaluation so that the school district takes care of that because by law, these little ones must have an evaluation and a plan in place, an IEP in place by their third birthday. And it doesn't matter. I have had situations where we found out about a young one two days before their third birthday. And you know what? That student had their IEP two days later on their birthday. I believe we even had cake. Anyway, so that is the legal responsibility of special education and public schools is to take care of that with the liaison with the parents and ECI. So that's one way students can be referred for special education services. 
parents, I am going to post a very good website for the state of Texas, and I will find some other nationwide type information for you as well if you're outside of Texas, say Oklahoma or Alaska, to take a look at so you have some more information about early childhood intervention and what they can do if you have a young one who may be in need of some additional services. And those services oftentimes are speech, occupational therapy, sometimes behavioral intervention, social skills, adaptive behavior. There are vision, auditory services, speech services. So there's a lot of services that can be provided to the child. And most, if not all of those services may be provided within the home. There are some services I have been made aware of through different student evaluations where the child has actually gone somewhere. Sometimes they have a daycare situation where they provide some services at a a particular place. Most of the time, my students have been provided services within their home. Another method of referral for initial evaluation for special education services is through what's called response to intervention. This is a general education program that is mandated to be in place. All campuses have this. We'll get into this in a lot more detail in another episode, but response to intervention has multiple levels of intervention from global, everybody gets whatever modification accommodation type thing or strategy taught to them or social skills program taught by the counselor to the entire school to small group type intervention where we identify some special skills, academic skills that the students need to work on and we might group them and work on some target skills with the group of kids to working with students more one-on-one or in a very small group setting with a a teacher, maybe one teacher to maybe at max four students or so. So there's a lot more to that, and we'll get into that another day. But during that whole time that students are receiving interventions for their academic deficits, sometimes social skill intervention. After they have been receiving some intervention, their progress is monitored like almost every time or every week at least that they meet. And if the student is not making adequate progress, they move to the next level. And then they monitor some more and hey, we've even pulled them into a small group setting with a teacher and two other kids and we're still not making good enough progress. We think we need to find out more about this student's abilities and skills. And so the campus will make a recommendation to have the student evaluated. Now that does not happen without you and we'll get into parent consent next episode, but you're supposed to be involved in all that process as well. And that's another way we get referrals 
for special education evaluations. Another way that students are referred for special education evaluation is through parents, parent requests. So let's say mom and dad, you have a student who has been diagnosed with a medical condition. Let's say that that condition is is manageable, but maybe over time it's becoming more problematic and you're noticing some problems. Or let's say that your student is struggling in reading and homework is taking forever and they're making failing grades and maybe it's a situation where you don't know what the intervention is going on, but you in your gut know something's going on with your child and you want them to have an evaluation, then you can make a written request for evaluation or you can make a verbal request for evaluation. Now, the written request has some timeline situation to it. Once the special education department person, the district needs to respond to you within 15 days, 15 school days. They need to respond to you. Now that response can be, yes, mom, dad, we agree with you and we would like to go ahead and proceed and provide you with written notice for evaluation and talk to you about that and get that process started. The 15 days sounds like a long time, but in the special education department, they're not on the campus. So they get a request from you. They probably don't know you or your student. So that gives the department time to investigate what's going on with this student. Let's them have the opportunity to take a look at grades, if they've had state assessment, what what does that look like? How does their attendance look? Do they have some medical problems going on? What are the teachers saying? Do we have a vision and hearing screening done by the nurse? There's a lot of action in the background, parents, uh, during these timelines. And I know timelines, it just seems like forever for parents and teachers and sometimes even for us. So I just want you to understand there's a lot of background things happening, investigation type things happening to find out if it is a good referral from you and how the the process needs to unfold. What is the referral question? If we have an ECI student, they're coming to the campus for evaluation with some background. They we already kind of know what they've been working on and where our evaluation kind of needs to focus. If they've been through the RTI process, We've got some background data going on, and we kind of know where the academic struggles are or the behavioral struggles are, and we kind of have a a pathway for where our evaluation needs to go, what the scope of that evaluation needs to look like. So if we get a parent request, we don't have that piece of background information, and we have to create that data for ourselves. So that's what's happening 
or what should be happening anyway. Plus, I'll also say this. I was in a district where we had hundreds, hundreds of parent requests. Hundreds, y'all. It's a little overwhelming how many. And if you consider that there is perhaps one evaluation person per campus, sometimes that's not even the case. Sometimes an evaluation person covers two campuses. That's a lot of students to go through those parent requests and find out what the pathway needs to be, what the scope of evaluation needs to be, what's the concern, what are we talking about here. I'll also say this, mom and dad, and teachers as well, we have had some parent requests for evaluation just because some parents want to know what their kids' skills look like. Where are they compared to everybody else in the world? There's really not an academic reason. There's not a behavioral reason. They're just wanting to know. And without sounding too harsh, that's really not why we evaluate students. The whole purpose, mom and dad, for evaluation is to make the hefty, hefty determination that a student has a disability. That is profound. It's not something to take lightly. So I don't want to fuss at any of you out there, especially those of you in Oklahoma and Alaska and everyone who is not my friends or family. I don't want to sound too harsh, but I do want you to understand the heft of evaluation and the seriousness of evaluation and make judicious decisions about that if you are considering requesting evaluation for your student. We also have some parents who take their child to a doctor and they might be diagnosed with ADHD. I'm just going to use ADHD because it's probably one of the most prevalent childhood diagnoses we see. And their doctor will write a prescription saying, have the child evaluated immediately. We prescribe a full individualized evaluation. And I want you to know that we will take those into consideration. However, we are going to consider that just like a parent request for evaluation. So those are going to be taken judiciously as well. And and the whole process of finding out not just the referral question, which obviously in that case would be ADHD, but what's going on with the child? How does their grades look? What does their testing look like? What are the needs that we need to take a look at? Because when we say full individual evaluation, We're talking about a lot of areas and potentially a lot of testing. So I hope that that made sense to you. I hope I did not come off too harshly on that last part. I don't want to because the majority of my parent requests for evaluation have been spot on. Your gut told you you, your kiddo was having some difficulty and you just felt in your heart that they needed to be tested. And sure enough, that those parents knew their student and knew potentially could even tell me before I even started testing what the concern what was and what the outcome was going to be. They were, they just knew. So 
not to be too harsh, parents, you guys are tuned in to your students. Y'all know your kiddos. So I don't want to put you off in any way, shape, or form. So I hope you have enjoyed our conversation about the referral process. I hope you've gained some information, maybe peeked behind the curtain a little bit about what's happening in the background after you hang up the phone with someone in the special education department or get off the phone with a teacher or leave the school building after submitting your referral request. So I appreciate your tuning in and I look forward to you tuning in next time when we talk about the initial consent and every time you get give consent, parental consent for evaluation and really anything else in the special education world. So until next time, this is your host, Laura. Thanks for tuning in to Hashtag Sped Facts.